Amen. Thank you, Miss Susan. Praise God. So good to see you in the house of the Lord tonight. Aren't you glad to be saved? Amen. Man, it's been a busy day today. Went to be with the family and, um, of the Durhams today and uh, continue to pray for them that the Lord, as Pastor Brian's already said, that the Lord would just be with them and help them through this tragic loss that they've had. I want to get right to the word tonight and uh, don't waste any time here. I want to talk on I saw Satan fall like lightning. I saw Satan fall like lightning. This is kind of just tagging along with what we talked about this morning. We talked this morning about being a victor, being victorious, um, not being bullied by the devil, what you're going to do about it. And um, so that, that's where we're going to head back tonight just a little bit to talk about how we are victorious. Luke chapter 10, verse 17 through 18. Could you stand for the reading of the word? I feel like I need to get y'all's blood pumping just a little more. Hallelujah. All right, if you've got a form tonight, please give it to me. Thanks to those that have already got those to me. I'm going to have some people to call next week, so I'm glad for that. And um, so if you have, have that tonight, get it to me. And, uh, and I'm starting probably Monday or Tuesday on, on that. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. There's power in the name of Jesus, folks. Even the demons obey. They submit to that name. Yes, he told them. It's kind of a strange place to put this, but it's the way it is. He looks at them after they tell him that, and he says, Yeah, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Let's be seated in the house of God. A young couple was having financial struggles. One day the wife bought a very expensive dress on impulse. That evening she was so excited, she could not wait to show her husband her new outfit. Isn't it beautiful, she asked him. How much did it cost, is what he asked her. Can anybody relate to that? When she told him the price, he hit the roof. How could you do that? You know that we can't afford it. She said, I'm sorry, I just couldn't resist. The devil made me do it. Well... Why didn't you say to him what Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan? She said, I did. But when he got back there, he said, you know, it even looks better from the back. So <laughs> I bought it. A Newsweek poll showed that 66% of adult Americans and 85% of evangelical Protestant Christians or churches believed in the devil. How many of you know the devil's real tonight? For a fourth of them, however, he is merely a symbol of man's inhumanity, which means the cruel behavior or brutal behavior to man, that he's the one to blame for that. Sixty percent of evangelicals say that they have been tempted by the devil, and half as many say that they have met someone that they thought was in Satan's control. Anybody ever met somebody that you knew the devil had a grip on them? You ever met anybody when you got around them you knew that they... Probably had a demon living inside of them. Y'all still believe in demon possession? I still believe in that. I still preach against playing with those Ouija boards and anything like that that opens you up to the satanic world because it's real, folks. The, the, it is real. Demonic forces are powerful and they are real. And the devil is after our souls. So Jesus, after they've had these miracles and the power that's been given to them, they say to Jesus, oh, these demons are listening to us. And he says, I saw Satan fall from heaven. It was like 
lightning. Two extremes that we must avoid in this life is number one, denying the existence of Satan and the reality of evil in the world. Satan is alive and well, folks. He is working just as hard as he can. I wish to God, not giving the devil praise, but I wish to God that we as Christians would work as hard as the devil works. If we would work as hard to win souls as the devil works to take souls to hell, we would have a revival that the world, our churches could not hold them. I'm telling you, churches would not be, if we would work as hard at winning souls and getting people to the house of God as Satan is working day in and day out to keep people out of the house of God. There's a second extreme that we must avoid, and that is the fact we use the word that we are blaming everything on the devil nowadays. I want you to know the devil is not to blame for everything. Alright, there's some things that you do and you can't blame the devil for it. Our lady in the beginning of the story tries to blame the devil because she spent money that she shouldn't have spent. That's ridiculous, right? Isn't that ridiculous? We blame the devil so often for things that are really our own responsibility. But the Bible is very clear to us that Satan is real. It is very clear to us that demonic spirits are at work in the world right now. We see it, folks. In Revelation, you can read in your Bible, the devil will lead the whole world astray through the Antichrist and the false prophet and the beast. You can read your Bible. And you see that that is the influence that the devil has on the world. He is the prince and the ruler of darkness of this world. In the end, in Revelation, he will literally, inspired by the Antichrist, he will lead the world astray. He will gather them to have what is the greatest war that will ever take place known as the battle of Armageddon where the blood will flow up to the horse's bridle. This is all the inspiration of this man we call the devil. Alright? So this guy is a force to be reckoned with. We must be aware of his devices. According to 2 Corinthians 2.11 the Bible tells us that we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. That, that in other words we should not fall for the tricks of the devil because we as Christians we already know his tactics. Most of the time the, the things that we fail God in are the things that Satan has already tempted us with before. It's just a reoccurrence. It's like rewind, play, rewind, play. And he fights us oftentimes. It's the same temptation, the same strategy that the devil uses. So Paul says we need to be aware of his devices because we're not ignorant of them. We're children of God. We know who he is and we must understand that he is out for our souls and to tear down our relationship with God. It is in James 4, 7 that he said if you just submit yourself to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's in 1 Peter 5 8 that he tells us this devil is like a roaring lion walking about, roaming to and fro, seeking whom he may devour or who he may destroy. It is a sign that God says you better be on your guard against the devil because he will not, listen, he doesn't just attack sinners. A matter of fact, he doesn't need to attack sinners. He's already got sinners. Who he is attacking is the church folk. Who Satan is attacking is us that say we're Christians. It is his desire to bring us down. Because every time that a minister falls away from the faith, all that does is give him ammunition to tell people that are unbelievers, you see, if their God was real, that preacher would have stayed faithful. If our God is real, that person you work with wouldn't have quit. They wouldn't have cheated on their spouse. Or they wouldn't have done this or that and the other. Whatever sin they were wrapped up 
in. That is just ammunition for the devil to use against unbelievers to keep them from coming to Jesus Christ because of the testimony that we have. Now, I want to show you really quick. I'm going to give you three points, and they're going to be very simple. The first one is the description of Satan. Let us begin. Whenever they do in the police force, they'll do a profile of someone. They have to figure out who they are, where they came from. So really quickly, Lucifer was an archangel. As a matter of fact, many uh, historians teach us as some scripture references, let us look like he was over the music, kind of like, Pastor Brian, and, and the devil, he's over the music. And we understand now how the influence of music has influenced such people. It just makes sense that Satan has a hand in that. I, I remember reading a story a while back of this kid that was listening to this death metal and stuff. He ended up taking his own life, and he committed suicide. Whenever they began to look at what he was listening to, they found this death metal stuff. I don't even remember the group it was by, but in that it was saying, now, kill yourself, kill yourself. And just these things over and over screaming in his head. Who would even think that, that there would be music like that to be allowed to be on the market? for our kids to get their hands on. But brothers and sisters, it is real in the world. It is the work of a man named the devil. Lucifer was an archangel who wanted to be like God. Do you know the story? God cast him out of heaven according to Isaiah 14, 12. The Bible said he threw him out because he wanted to be like God. The Bible declares that with his tail, the dragon swept out one-third of the heavenly host with him. In other words, one-third of the angels, the good guys, the good angels came with Satan and now we call those good angels demons, alright? They're wicked. They have come to do the bidding of the devil. Now you can't convince me that the devil isn't a slick, sly little fox. If he could get a third of the angels in heaven they are all, think about it, they are already in heaven. They are in the presence of God. He convinces them to come with him to do this evil deed. How in the world did he do that? It lets me know that if he can convince a third of God's angels, the heavenly host, to come to the earth to try to take men's souls to hell, if he could convince them of that, then my God, I want to beware and I want to be on, I want to be ready when he comes to tempt me because if he could convince them, if I'm not careful, he'll convince me. I've got to be ready when the old devil tries to knock at my door. He's swept away a third. In Genesis he is portrayed as the very source of sin and evil in the world. You'll recall it. His title was Satan or adversary. He's called the devil or another word slanderer. Apollyon or Abaddon which means the destroyer. He's the accuser. He's the angel of the bottomless pit. He's Belial. He's Beelzebub which is the lord of flies. He's, he's the god of this world. He's a liar and the father of all liars. He's Lucifer. The son of the morning. He is known as a murderer from the beginning. He's the prince of demons. He's the prince of the power of the air. He's the prince of this world. The ruler of darkness. The ancient serpent. The tempter. The wicked one. That is who he is. That's just a few of the titles that Satan has been given throughout the word of God. Not only do we see his titles but we see his nature. What is he like? He is very proud folks. We can see that from my text. We can see that from Isaiah 14. 
14. To where he thinks that he can become like the Most High God. He is full of pride. He's presumptuous. That means he's very rude. A matter of fact, he is powerful. He is very wicked. He is a sinner from the beginning of time. He's malignant. He is evil. He desires to eat away at men just like a cancer. You remember whenever you go to a doctor and they say, you got this cancer. He's like a deadly cancer. It will eat away at you. And I'm telling you, that is the way sin is. That is why it is so important that we guard our hearts. I'm telling you, we cannot preach that enough. Guard my heart. That is why David said, Lord, I need you to clean me up, take me, make me white as snow, purify my speech, purify my heart, keep me right. He constantly prayed for forgiveness and repentance that God would keep him because he knew that the devil, if sin could get into his heart, sin would eat away at him until it ate him away like a cancer and ultimately he would end up in hell or death would take place. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's deceitful. He's fierce. He's cruel. A matter of fact, he's the father of lies. In the New Living Translation, it says it this way. His native language is lies. Do you understand what that means? That means my native language is to speak English. I don't do very good at it, but that is my native language. It's what I was born into. All right. Secondary language would be Spanish. And if I was depending on my Spanish to survive, I'd end up dying. Nobody wouldn't know what I was saying. All right. I'd just be like, por favor, por favor, por favor. Please, please. Gracias. Thank you. But as far as carrying on a good conversation, I promise you it's not my second language. It's way, way, way down the line. All right. I tried to order sweet tea one night and asked the woman to kiss me. So I am staying away from the Spanish language. Do you understand what I'm telling you? And so my native language is to speak English. Whenever God talks about Satan, he says his native language is lies. So what does that mean? When I'm talking to you, anything tonight that comes out of my mouth that's going to make sense is going to be in the English. Because that's my native language. So he says that anything that the devil speaks... Lies, lies, lies. There, a matter of fact, God went as far to say in John, there is no truth in him. Everything that he spats out of his mouth is a lie. So the next time the devil comes to you and sits on your shoulder and says, you're not saved, you say, lie. You're not an overcomer. Lie. You're not going to make it through this valley. Lie. Because the devil speaks his native language. It is always lies. What is his strategy? His strategy is simply put that he is our enemy. As our enemy, it is his goal to pervert the Bible. Pervert the Holy Scriptures. Now, I want you to understand, whenever you look at um, Adam and Eve, what's the one thing that happened that day? He said, has God said? Because when he asked her to partake of this fruit, Eve replies, well, you know, God said I can't do that. The first thing the serpent says is, has God really said that? What he tries to do is pervert the Word of God. He does not want her to take the Word at face value. Can I tell you, it bothers me when we have pulpits that are full with spineless pastors. Come on, somebody. They don't preach the Word of God. They're just as bad as the devil. All that they're doing is watering down or perverting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Could I suggest to you that that is nothing more than the strategy of Satan. He is using pulpits in America. 
to push his agenda. Oh my God have mercy. And that is to pervert the word of God. Because he knows how much power it has. So what is he doing? He is opposing God's work. Anything to do with God, he opposes. He hinders the gospel in any way that he can. The Bible said that his strategy is to accuse the brethren. He tries to tell God we do things that we don't do. He tries to tell God we're unworthy to be his children. When Jesus steps in and says, hey, get away from us, Satan. My blood is on them. They are my child. They are righteous. They are clean. Their name is in the book of life. You need to quit lying. That's all you do. <laughs> he tempts us to sin. How often does He do it? He does it so often. Every single day He will tempt you to do something that is wrong. He works lying wonders. That means that He tries to make Himself look like God. But it's really not God. Whenever you read in Revelation, you're going to find in the end time the false prophet. He's going to go out into the street. And what's He going to do? He's going to call fire down from heaven just like God's prophets can. He's trying to imitate the power of God, but it is only a farce. It is a fake. He appears as an angel of light. He brings apostasy to the church. What does apostasy mean? To be apostate means leaving the church. That's simply put what it means. There are people that once went to church, they have grown apostate. That is a strategy of the enemy. That is exactly what Satan wants to do. He gets people away from the church, pulls them away from it. He likes lukewarmness. He wants the church to be status quo. He wants us to just exist. He doesn't have a problem with that. He doesn't have a problem with us being a church. As long as we don't get anything done for the kingdom of God, he's fine with that. He loves indifference. That is exactly what his strategy is. Uh, to get a bunch of people just coming to church, gathering in a building, because it makes them feel more spiritual, but nothing's really happening inside of them. The devil doesn't care about our meetings if God doesn't show up in the house. The devil does not care about us coming to church. We could do it seven days a week but if there's not a heart change going on in us, the devil could care less about the church. That is his strategy. Now, when you come to church and the fire gets to burning and praises get to going up, now that's a different story. The devil does not like that kind of church. Do you understand me? And that is why he's working so hard against Gap Hill. And that's why he's working so hard against other Bible-believing churches because they are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He sows discord among the brethren. That's all he does. He tries to sow discord. I've told Christians many times, don't ever let the devil use you to do his bidding. You're a child of God. You don't do the bidding of Satan. We don't sow discord among the brethren. And if we do, it's not the work of God among us. It's the work of the devil. It is a strategy. Because if Satan can make me feel like you have all against me, it will hinder my worship. Did y'all know that according to the Bible? The Bible even tells us, that if we have somebody that we have not forgiven, somebody that's done us wrong, whatever, and there's unforgiveness in our heart, he even tells us that when we come to the altar with our gift and we're trying to praise God around the altar, he says, you might as well get your gift up from the altar because I'm not going to accept the gift until you repent. And you go back to that person, you make your wrong right, and then you can bring your offer. Oh, God have mercy. That, that's old school preaching right there. It's kind of like Cain and Abel. You can bring an acceptable gift to me if and when you repent of your sins or ask for other people forgiveness. But until then, he says, don't bring me any offerings. 
Oh my God have mercy. It is the trick of the devil to try to sow discord among brothers and sisters. The Bible calls him a hunter like the snare of the fowler for the bird. He traps us oftentimes. He's a sower of tares among the wheat. That's why sometime in the church we have issues with troublemakers. Anybody ever seen a troublemaker? Has anybody ever went to church with a troublemaker? Don't act like you're sanctimonious. You know what I'm talking about. I've been in church with a pile of them. I'll just tell you with two hands lifted. I don't care. I've been, I have seen troublemakers and it drives me insane. Do you know what they are? The Bible talks about this in Matthew. He said they are tares among the wheat. And what makes it so interesting in the Bible is he says you have to be careful. Because as a pastor, if you try to tear up the tares... If you're not careful, you'll injure the wheat while you're trying to pull the tear out. So as a pastor, you have to be careful how you deal with the troublemaker. Because if you're not careful, you're going to end up injuring somebody that's a friend of them that's really weak. All right, They just get caught up in a bad situation. But what did he say? He said, you just leave it alone. You pray. You entrust it with the Lord of the harvest. And when I come to gather the wheat, I'll remove the tear. See, it is a strategy of the devil to put tares among the wheat. He's a ravenous wolf. Oftentimes, he portrays himself as a sheep, but it's in wolves' clothing. He does that even in pulpits today. In leadership, he's doing that. He's a roaring lion. But I like to report to you today that he is just a knockoff brand. He, he roars all the time. He loves making a noise. But Jesus Christ has already declared that he's the real lion. For he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And when he shows up and lets out a victorious roar, every demon in hell is going to run and hide. Do you understand what I'm telling you today? He's just a deceitful serpent. That's a description of who Satan is. But I want you real quickly... To see the demise of Satan. There is no point in Satan's career. Can we say it that way? That he is going to go upward. Everything from heaven to hell for him. He's just going down, 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 down. And Jesus says it this way. He's losing power, folks. He's losing a grip. Do you understand why Satan is attacking the White House? Do you understand why Satan is attacking a president that is for evangelicals? outspokenly for evangelicals. It's the devil working against him. I'm telling you folks, it is the devil. Because in this last day, the devil is losing his grip. And he knows it. He's losing his power. And he knows it. This world is slipping out of his hands. And he knows it. There ain't nothing worse that bothers him to know that there's a leader in our country now that stands up for the Christian faith. Says you can worship God however you want to. No t strings attached. The devil doesn't like that. He is losing his grip. And this is what Jesus said. He said, I saw Satan fall. Going down like lightning from heaven. Now there are three ways. I'm going to give you real quick that, that the Bible speaks of the fall of Lucifer. Number one, Satan's fall at creation at the beginning of time. Look at Isaiah 14, 12. I've been talking about it, so I might as well read it. How are you fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning? You've been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. 
For you said to yourself, I will ascend. I'm going to climb higher to heaven and set my throne above. He's, he's going up, but he's moving up on the scale, right? I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I will climb. He's still going upward, isn't he? I'm going to climb to the highest heaven and I'll be like the most high. Instead, you will be brought down to the place of the dead, down to its lowest depths. What God, this is the prophecy. Are you ready for this? This is the prophecy per the Word of God. No wonder he likes to pervert it and wither it down because he don't like what is written within the pages of the Holy Bible. And see what the God said. He said, Satan, you are not only going to get cast out of heaven, but you are going to go down to the very lowest pit in hell that I can send you to. It is after this that he is loosed on earth for a short period. He can run around. He can try to tempt men. He's going to try to get us to fall away from the faith. Even Christians, even pastors, even church leaders. He's going to do it. He succeeded with some of them, folks. There's church leaders that are falling left and right. There's church leaders. I've read more about church leaders and pastors committing suicide here lately than I care to talk about. It's the devil that got a hold to them. Made them think there was no way out. He tricked them. And into believing there's no way out. It's not going to get better. They ended their own lives. It bothers me that Satan has got to so many. He knows his time is short. He knows he's running out. Satan's fall at creation. Secondly, Satan's fall at the cross. I'm glad today that Jesus Christ has victory over the devil. Can I read to you John 12, 31? The Bible says the time for judging this world has come when Satan, the rule of the world, will be cast out. But look at what he said. He said, and when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. What is God saying? He's saying, Satan, you can rejoice all you want, but in reality, you are going down and I am going up. Because as people lift me up and praise me, I will, men will be drawn unto me. So while you're going lower, I'm going higher. And when they lifted Jesus up on the cross, even though it looked like defeat, it was really a victory. Do you understand what I'm telling you today? Colossians chapter 2, let's move on. You were dead because of your sins, and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for He forgave all your sins. Aren't you glad for that? He canceled the record of the charges I love this. There's no, if, 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 if you went and you were a criminal and you went and stood before the judge and the judge looked at you and said, oh, by the way, Brian, all that record you had, I'm wiping it clean. Son, you'd shout and rejoice and probably go buy a 12-pack or whatever worldly people do. But he said, I canceled the record of the charges against us when I took it away by nailing it to the cross. Jesus says every sin that you've ever committed, it was nailed to the cross with me in this way. He disarmed, I love this, this is powerful. He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by His victory over them on the cross. 
Calvary was not a defeat. Calvary was a victory. It was at this point that he said, I disarmed the enemy. What does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? That means any way that Satan had you bound, he no longer can hold you anymore. Every sin that he had you bound by, that he hovered over your head, tried to always tell you how you weren't worthy, let me tell you the cross disarmed the devil. He cannot hold that over your head anymore because your sins have now been forgiven. Satan fell at the cross that day over 2,000 years ago. My God. He lost his authority over humanity. When we preached and Jesus, minister of Jesus and, and lift up the cross of Christ, the power of his cross, Jesus tells his disciples as they're going in his name preaching the good news, he saw Satan fall like lightning never forget that he's going down. Napoleon, after his defeat at Waterloo, gathered his top generals together. He took out a map of the world. He lays it out before his generals and he drew a circle around the British Isles and this is what he quoted. He said, if it were not for that circle, Napoleon would have conquered the world. Can I tell you that when the devil gets together with his imps of hell, I'm sure they have a reunion every now and then to go over how maybe they could have got it. They, maybe they can find a way to get victory. But every time he pulls out his map and he starts looking over his life and over the history, he has to circle Calvary and say if it wouldn't have been for that place right there, they'd have went to hell. If it had not been for that place right now, they'd all be down right now. But thanks be to God for the cross of Jesus Christ. Thank God for the blood of Jesus that saved us and washed us from our sins in his blood Satan's going down folks Satan will not only fall at creation not only fall at the cross he will fall at the return of Jesus Christ for the Bible says in Revelation chapter 20 the Bible reads in verse 7 through 10 when the thousand years come to an end Satan will be left out of his prison or let out of his prison he will go out and deceive the nations called Gog and Magog in every corner of the earth. He will gather them together for a battle. A mighty army as numberless as, as sand along the seashore. And I saw them as they went up to the broad plain of the earth surrounded God's people and the beloved city which represents Israel of course. But fire, I'm glad that God protects His people aren't you and even the nation of Israel that He loves. But fire came from heaven, came down and attacked the armies and consumed them. Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur or fire joining the beast and the false prophet. Look at his demise. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Somebody shout amen. So when Satan looks over his history, there's nothing but demise for him. Which leads me to my third point, the defeat of Satan. The Bible says, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Satan is operating, folks, on limited power. And these disciples are amazed at how demons are submitting to them in Jesus' name. But can I tell you that we have that same power and authority? That we can walk in no fear? That we can walk in fear no evil? For thou art with me. Satanic deception is all around us. His greatest strategy is to deceive us. As I close with these scriptures, 2 Corinthians. The God of this age. This age. Right now. Right here. 2020. 
has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is in the image of God. What a job we've got cut out for us as Christians. We wonder why old Roy at work won't quit cussing. It's not his fault. He's blinded by the deceptions of the devil. We wonder why our neighbor that we've invited to church, every time we try to invite them, they act like they couldn't care less about God. They hate the church. They had a bad experience. It's not because they mean to. It's because the old devil has deceived them. The God of this world has put blinders on them like a horse to where they cannot see. That is why it is our job to be the light of the world like God has called us to be. And when Satan has blinded them, they can't help but see us because we're walking. We're the image of Jesus Christ now, folks. He's not here in the flesh. So now we have become the hands and feet of Christ. And when they see our good deeds, and when they see how we love them, and how we treat them with respect and dignity, then they'll begin to say, my God, the light is getting too bright. And then all of a sudden, the enemy will get nervous. That's why Satan gets nervous when you start inviting people to church. That's why he is nervous about a Fill the Pew Sunday. It makes him nervous when people begin to submit names that are going to be called and invited to come to the house of God. It makes him nervous. Why? Because not all of them, but many may be blinded by the darkness. Do you understand what I'm telling you? But God is about to bring them out into His marvelous light and the devil knows that he can't keep them blinded forever because the Word of God is strong enough to break through every force of darkness to pierce the darkness and to show them the light of God. 1 Timothy 4.1, I'm closing. Come on to the pen, I'm closing, I promise I am. The Spirit clearly says that in latter times, that's the end times, some, not all, please notice that, some will abandon the faith. They will follow deceiving spirits and things that are taught by demons. Now, I'm going to tell you something. The Apostle Paul is speaking right here about leaders. Leaders. This is prophetic news. There are preachers. Listen to me, folks. We are in a bad day. There are preachers that are preaching things that are taught by demons behind pulpits today. Anytime you pervert the gospel, you're teaching exactly what Satan wants you to teach. Anytime that you refuse to deal with sin and call it what it is, you are preaching a doctrine of devils to your congregation. When you tell them that everything's going to be alright regardless of how they live, you're preaching the doctrine of the devil. But so many people are being blinded by this. It's satanic deception. I mean, he's a man of God, right? He's a preacher. Can't we trust what he says? If it doesn't come out in the book, you better not trust anybody, folks. It's got to be in the Word. And then I want you to know in closing, there's spiritual deliverance. It doesn't matter who Satan has bound. Hebrews 4.12 we believe the Word of God. We act on, on, on it and it defeats deception so that we can know the truth. For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. That is why we can't preach the Word. Because it lets people know really who they are. And we can't make people feel uncomfortable. We want them to enjoy coming to our church. So let's leave that out 
Anytime you preach the true Word of God, it will cut you and it will reveal to you your innermost thoughts and your desires, the wickedness in your heart. The Word of God reveals it. But this is the secret. Only the Word of God can set you free. Only and they shall know the truth. John 8, 32. And the truth shall make them free. It's the only hope of the world, folks. It's the only hope against this attack from Satan. His deception. It's the Word of God. It's all we have to fight with. The story is told that the serious illness hit Martin Luther. He said he saw Satan coming to him with a great scroll on which he had written all of Luther's, this is Martin Luther's sins, all of his failures in life. With the condemning look, Satan unrolls the scroll and looks at Luther and says, here are all your sins, Luther. There's no hope of you going to heaven. Luther says he begins to read the long list. His heart is saddened by the things that he's done, the sins he's committed. But then suddenly he realized, I've been forgiven by Jesus Christ. And he looks at Satan and he says, you have forgotten one thing, oh boy. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me from all of my sin. The devil is a liar today. So what does this, what does this mean to us today? Let me close it with Luke 10, 21. This is, we read in our text, verse 18, where Jesus tells them what we talked about. I saw Satan falling from the sky. What does this mean for us? Let's look at the first part of this verse. He says, At that same time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And He said, Oh Lord, God of heaven and earth, thank You for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the child. Yes, Father, it pleased You to do it this way. At that time, Jesus full of joy through the Holy Spirit, says, I praise you, Father. You and I can live in joy today knowing that we can overcome every attack of the enemy. Jesus begins to praise God with joy because He saw Satan fall like lightning from the sky. And He doesn't have power over you anymore. You now have power over him because as I gave you an illustration this morning anybody remember the WWE illustration it's already predetermined that's exactly the way it is with Satan he is a defeated foe he knows he's defeated he knows his time is short that's why he's fighting us so much but I've come to re-emphasize to you tonight Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So this week when that old liar jumps on your shoulder and starts trying to discourage you and make you feel defeated, you let him know it's your native language, devil. It is all defeat. It is all deceit. It is all lies. When I read the Bible, it's all victory. It is victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to listen to what God said. I don't care what you say about me devil because that's not what God says about me God says I am going to win and that's what I'm going to believe Jesus says oh boys I saw him he's fallen down and one day he's going to the lowest pit be encouraged by those words today victory is yours
Can we stand in the house of God tonight? My God Almighty. Sing it. The cross. There it goes. That's the right key. Thank you for the Sing it with me. Thank you for the price you pay. Bearing all my sin and shame. In love you came. Put the words out here, Chevy, if you don't mind, buddy. Thank you for this love, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the nail. Thank you for the nail. Pierced hands. Washed me in your cleansing flow. Now all I know is your forgiveness and embrace. Worthy is the Lamb. Oh, worthy is the Lamb. Seated on the throne. Victory is yours. Crowned you now with many crowns. Oh, hallelujah. Rias, you are high and lifted up. Yes, you are, Lord. Jesus, Son of God. Dawning of heaven, crucified. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Do that course again. Worthy is the Lamb. Sing it like you mean it. Just praise God for a few minutes before we dismiss. This is our time. Oh, worthy is the Lamb. Let the devil know I'm a victor in Jesus' name. Seated on the throne. Would you crown you now? With many crowns, Lord, you reign victorious. Oh, Jesus is high and lifted up. Jesus, Son of God. The dawning of heaven crucified. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Shake hands and be friends. God bless you tonight is our prayer. Hallelujah. Amen.